stepping back and stroke in two. Bogdanovich thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! It again. No double team help and B takes it right to the rack. And B step back. There he is again. The Euro step going on everybody it is friday august 5th um we are in the sort of the dead zone of the off season there's no more summer league left the preseason is not yet upon us but there is kind of an itch for some basketball content out there so i thought i'd bring on jake fisher one of the i guess quickly emerging as one of the most prominent insiders uh in the entire league jake is also the author of built to lose how the uh, nba's tanking era changed the league forever uh, and you know him as an insider and writer for Bleacher Report. If you don't know him as the as the author of that book, Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Thank you. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Um, so I'm very intrigued. I've, I've heard you have a, a pretty interesting process for for breaking news and your rise to the to to, to where you are in, in the pantheon of, of great uh, modern insiders. Um, you started at at, at um, Liberty Ballers. And you know you, you've you've had quite a journey. Take me take me through that journey. Well, what have you heard before I before I? <laughs> I haven't heard anything specific. I just I've just heard that you have a, a you have a, you have a an interesting process. Is, is all is that's the way it's been described to me. Okay. Um. I mean the the process has only been what's made sense to me. Um. You know when I was at LB, um, I'd also started interning at Slam Magazine and was trying to make my way up there as a feature writer. And got my start really recognizing back in 2013 during my internship at Slam that there really wasn't any draft coverage at the time. There was no draft Twitter. It was Draft Express, you know, back when it was just DraftExpress.com and Chad Ford. So I was going around uh, doing these profiles on late first round pick, early second round pick, sometimes even undrafted type guys um, because they wanted the pub, right? Like they're not. They weren't being yeah. flown to Bristol to do sports center hits and all that type of stuff. Um, and then I went to a couple of events on the pre-draft circuit where team people would see me talking to some of the players that I had interviewed previously. And I kind of saw the balance of the NBA information ecosystem from a young age. But I, I was a feature writer like that. That was what my hopes were to become that is what I was practicing wise like when I was doing my reporting for Sports Illustrated um, as an intern there and then after college um, and I got to meet a lot of people in the league by doing fun weird stories like um, you know I got Starbucks with Mike D'Antoni because um, he's obsessed with cappuccinos from his playing days in Italy and I did a story on the coaches in Denver had a carpool to games. And I remember one time talking to TJ McConnell to make this uh, a Sixers reference um, in the locker about this thing called um, called grenades where players will pass the ball to a teammate with two or three seconds left on the shot clock because they don't want to be stuck with a shot clock violation. And it turned this whole funny thing where like, it actually isn't a shot clock violation. Like if you're holding, like when it's, when it's, a, or it's not, it's not a turnover on, on, a, on a player, it's a general team turnover. So players were doing all this stuff 
just for something that didn't even matter anyway. And like it was blowing players' minds when I was telling them the secret behind grenades is that it really isn't on grenades, stuff like that. So I got to meet people in the league in a very unassuming, unimposing way. Not to say I duped people, but like I just I was just being someone who was interested in telling their stories and getting to know people who just happened to be in professional basketball. So when the time came where, where BR asked me to get into the transaction game, I just reached out to people that I'd known for a couple of years at that point and said, hey, can I can I bother you about this stuff more often? Because I was talking to people about it behind the scenes. There was a couple – like I remember I did a story years ago when, when the Clippers traded Blake Griffin to the Pistons. It kind of came out of left field. So I did some like back reporting afterwards to kind of show the, the, the TikTok of – what happened and how it and how it occurred. Same thing on draft night. There was this whole sequence. I think it was 2018 with like Kevin Herger and Dante DiVincenzo and the whole Mikael Bridges um, trade with uh, Zaire. That obviously Sixers fans remember like how all that stuff happened. So it kind of was a was an was a natural transition, but it definitely wasn't something I was expecting to do. I, I will tell you that. Whenever people ask me how to become an insider. I always say like, don't try to like, that's kind of the easiest way to make yourself be someone that people don't want to give information to when you're just kind of hounding people to figure out what's happening. This is sensitive stuff that, I mean, people take way too seriously inside the league, but it, I mean, there are multi-billion dollar corporations that have million dollar individual stakes for GMs, executives, players, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. Do you, I guess as someone who is so deeply entrenched in it, do you feel like the industry of being an insider is sort of trending in in a good direction or in a bad direction? Because I feel like with 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 Twitter and with the prevalence of 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 you know people who can so easily uh, claim to write for this outlet or or whatnot, you can easily you can very easily fabricate information. Oh, that's a it's, I mean, the state of reporting on like transact. I mean, I really try to think about covering the NBA like Wall Street. And, you know, are these two companies going to merge? Just kind of the equivalent is a trade going to happen type deal. Um, it is kind of, I mean, it's crazy the way that Twitter and I mean, it's Instagram too. I'm sure there'll be a time where we get to TikTok and like there's leading sources of information who are saying, you know, doing like, oh, this is all the like the rundown. I mean, honestly, free advice to any college kid out there right now. I don't know if it exists, so maybe it already exists already. If you're trying to break into the space, I would start doing some type of aggregation on TikTok where you're, you know, it's, this is the NBA minute and just run down what. You know, the Boston Celtics reporting comes out about Kevin Durant. You write down what ESPN has, what the Athletic has, what Bleach Report has, what Mark Stein has on Substack, what Chris Haynes had on Yahoo. And, like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that'd be a great way. But there is challenges that come with that from the original reporting aspect being that, I mean, it's kind of like the toothpaste is out of the tube. Like, I can't be online 24 hours a day trying to be – correcting what people on Twitter are saying I've said, but certain things do matter from the perspective of like, 
I'm not just a reporter. Like I am trying to write more books and I'm trying to generally grow a career. Right. And like when there is misinformation out there that people attribute to you and it can like so mistrust amongst readership and the public, like that does suck. That does negatively impact myself and others. So it is something that like, I mean, I've, I've tried to call it out a little bit. Like I've had some fun with it, I think. Um, but it's tough. I mean, I've, I've turned down a lot of podcast requests on local shows even because like it's just not worth say, saying something and having some Twitter account put out something you said that's not necessarily entirely fabricated, but it's just like a little bit off. Yeah. And that can be, I mean, that can be everything. That can be the difference you know, and saying someone was shopped or explored, like that's like that's like on the trade market. Those are two really different things. And the, there are certain words that are loaded with certain things that make people in the industry feel a certain way. So yeah. it, it is a thorny situation. I think one of the things that the general fan doesn't really grasp is that sports in general are very fluid and, anything, and things change by the minute. So like, for instance, when you were, you know, you had the report about OG Ananobi, and Raptors fans were like, I don't believe this guy. It, it isn't that just because something happened doesn't make it a, a fabrication. It means that things are very fluid and change, you know, every second. Yeah, there's also, and it's difficult, the way, and this is a larger conversation to be had about the public's general state of trust in the news media. Yeah. However, it is, it is applicable to sports as it is in pop culture, as it is in politics and government. That also, I think there's been like social media and the ability for people to get attention by quote unquote reporting something. I say that to say like a lot of times people just are tweeting out, I'm hearing this, whatever. You know, the rights of Ricky Sanchez guys talked about some girl on TikTok talking about how she went to Ben Simmons's house. Like, you know, there's just information flying around there. But, you know, the, the traditional news media their goal in theory should be to bring the unfettered truth to the public. That is certainly my goal. That is, that is how I conduct my work, conduct my reporting. That's how I learned about it in journalism school. Um, There is a thing. I mean, that's not to say that you have to go to journalism school to become a journalist, but like that, because that there are a lot of people who are non-traditionally, you know, like I saw a friend of mine in the media commented on another friend of mine field yates um sponsoring or endorsing sling tv from his twitter account and he had a problem with it you know field's not field's a former football personnel man who is a quote-unquote insider who works for espn that's fantasy football and he's a tv personality as much as he's an analyst like he's not yeah. a journalist yeah but there are certain ethics and whatever at play for anyone who's providing information to the public this is all to say, like, I'm not, I'm not here to lie to Raptors fans. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. If it's upsetting to you, like, you shouldn't be coming at me. Yeah. You coming at people involved. And then the, there's another thing at play there where, like, that whole OG Anunoby situation took on a life of its own because Scotty Barnes said I was lying. And, like, public figures who are involved in sensitive matters, they are the ones who have incentive – to lie Correct. or to say something that 
smooths over a situation far more than a, a media member or a reporter. I don't give a shit what happens in any of these teams. There are people who I like around the league who I hope are successful, but like, I truly don't care who wins the NBA championship. I truly don't care where players get traded to whatnot. There are certain teams that as like a general fan of basketball, I would you know like to see the Charlotte Hornets finally have a center to be a lob threat for LaMelo, right? Who can also be a consistent room protector, like that type of thing. Yeah. But like, I don't care if the Raptors trade for Kevin Durant or if they grow this group together and become a title contender that way. True. It doesn't matter to me. So like, and there's also a myriad reasons of why Scotty Barnes in this example could be saying that maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't believe what I'm saying to be true. Maybe he's just trying to be a good teammate because he got asked about it randomly on a Twitch thing. Maybe it's, he's intentionally saying something to, to be a good teammate because he thinks it's what he asked. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different things that can happen that are just so silly that I think ultimately I don't know why people still don't understand or, or believe that what my job is to do is to, is to try to bring the truth that you aren't getting any, anywhere else. That's kind of why I think people get upset by it sometimes, or it becomes, there's a theatrical response to it is because, well, why is he, why is he saying this? No one else is saying this. It's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the point. That is what my job is to do. Yeah. Um, moving on to, the, the James Harden and the Sixers situation. Um, the league comes out and they say they're going to investigate um, shortly thereafter. Well, a couple of days after the Knicks are then involved because that was something that I, I think the Sixers wanted to see if they were going to get investigated, the Knicks get investigated for what happened. Um, what do you suspect the league will do in that investigation to sort of bring those allegations to, you know, the, the front Um what does that punishment look like? My interpretation of this whole thing is that it's the price of doing business when you sign a guy in the first three minutes of agency is that you get slapped with a with a fine, but generally it's it's an action that comes with being competitive in the sport. The league has not set a precedent that even being found guilty will lead to a legitimate punishment, right? Yeah. The, the, the richest, I mean, people like to go talk about Joe Smith. And last year at Summer League, I remember playing pickup with some people around the league and asking about it. And people were saying, oh, like, I'm hearing multiple first-round picks, executive suspensions, things like this that just happened in football with the Miami Dolphins. Like, that hasn't happened in the NBA. And they'd have to find, like, smoking gun tangible evidence in order to really ding them for anything more substantial than that. So... They're only going to have, I mean, they're going to have to find written stuff or tangible evidence. Like, I mean, the Sixers got James Harden to Philadelphia under (laughs) curious circumstances to begin with, and they were not punished there. Um, So I would think, I mean, there was no investigation into that. I don't think there was any calls for there to be an investigation. People around the Brooklyn Nets would talk about it. Uh, offhandedly in conversation. So all that's to say, especially with the James Harden potentially taking a pay cut to get a bigger deal later idea, like they're going to need to prove that's existed. Even if in the one, the one thing that could uh, in theory, like be a real red alarm bell is if he plays like total shit this year, 
and gets a massive, massive deal next year, then it's like, oh, God. But also, like, he's James Harden. Even with all the talk about his decline and what – he was still an all-star last season. He was yeah. still, you know, one of the top 30 players in the NBA if he continues to be that. You know, he's looking good in those Rico Hines videos. Everyone's oh, talking yeah. about – every Harden supporter kept saying, you know, wait till he gets his hamstring healthy after his first full off season of the last three seasons, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I'm not expecting there to be some giant Daryl Morey's suspended for half the year. I mean, I really don't have any knowledge of what the league is thinking, to be honest. I haven't asked anyone about it because it's August 5th. But those that whole ramble I just went on is all the context I can provide. The Sixers have somewhere between you know, three and five million left under the tax apron. I know Daryl Morey has said since coming to Philadelphia that he likes to wait and not have his roster set on opening night. Um, what do you anticipate them maybe doing with that money? Do, do you think that they target a certain position or skill set in, in using that remaining space? Or is that something yeah. that they keep to the trade deadline and use later? I think from my conversations, they're optimistic about Paul Reed and Bassey and that backup five situation. But I think that's also – a position that they've kind of circled on their roster sheet is okay. We can look, especially being that it's pretty easy and, and relatively cost effective to find backup bigs right now. Um, so I think that's an area to keep an eye on, but there, I think they are going to give those guys a shot though, too. Um, especially, especially Paul Reed, I would think um, from there, you know, the backup point guard type, player was a position they, they were looking at and targeting for a while. They got the Anthony Melton. So I think they're good there. The wing, the wing depth and is there an opportunity to either, you know, improve upon Matisse Tybel or to move Tobias Harris's salary. Those are always going to be things I think the Sixers look to improve at. So backup big is probably the easiest band-aid type solution that could be out there for, you know, the low money that they will have wiggle room available, but, They'll still be active on the trade market on the wing side of things as well. Well, Jake, um, give a couple of minutes you know, to plug anything you'd like to plug. This is this is your floor. Thank you, man. Um, I don't have too much. I mean, I'm, not, I'm I'm kind of in cruise mode right now, ahead of September. But I'm doing my podcast. Please don't aggregate this twice a week with the calling app. Um, buy my book, Built to Lose: How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. We'll be back. This season, covering the league, doing some more feature writing, I think, and some other profile type stuff. So excited for the type of content I should be able to provide with uh, that everyone should be able to now that it sounds like we're going to be back in locker rooms and have pregame, postgame access and shoot arounds and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to this season. Yeah. Awesome. You can find Jake on Twitter at Jake L. Fisher. Is it the same across all your platforms? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jake. Well, thanks so much and have a good weekend. You got it, man. Take care.